Well, I'm loving the increased amount of sunlight that I'm seeing. And um, I was interested how much more daylight we've had uh, since we arrived in Alaska on January the 2nd. So there was a website you can go to that shows you how many hours of daylight there is every day, single day of the year in Soldatna. So I, so I did the research and I looked and I, I noticed that it, since I've been here, um, July the second, I'm sorry, January the second, uh, we have another hour and a half of sunlight. And I was wondering if it's because of me. <laughs> or this just happens every year, right? Okay, all right, all right. Hey, listen, some of you got an email from me this week, and it's my uh, little attempt to kind of increase communication and to let you know what's, what's going on. And my plan is to do one of those uh, every month, just kind of a, just to give you an update on what's happening. And if you didn't get an email from me and you're like, oh, what, what, what? So what I'm asking you to do is take that little piece of paper that was on your chair when you came in and just, just put your name and your email address and just put the word add. And Susan and I will try to make sure that your name is added and, and put into the database. Um, on the other hand, if you got an email from me and you didn't want it, and it made you grumpy, at the bottom of the email is the word unsubscribe, and you can click on that, and you can just remain in the dark. And so, we can, we can do it that way too. So, uh, hey, anyhow, I got looking at the calendar several weeks ago, and I was thinking about the calendar and about my new sermon series. And I realized that uh, when I started my new sermon series after finishing Jonah, that uh, it would be the Sunday before Valentine's Day, the week of love. And I thought, you know what? It might be good to spend a little bit of time uh, having a refresher course on the subject of love. And so, whether you like it or not, I've enrolled you in the school of love. And so today, next Sunday, and the following Sunday, we'll be uh, looking at lessons in the school of love. So I begin to think about the school of love. And every time you go to school, you have to have a textbook. And so I begin to wonder, wonder. Who? Who wrote the book of love? And it occurred to me, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote the book of love, and the book of love is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The truth of the matter is, people who follow God ought to be experts in loving each other. I mean, we just ought to be really, really good at getting along with each other and getting along with our neighbor. And we might as well admit it right off the bat, that's a hard thing to do. Yeah? And for some, it's harder than others because 
of your background and the things that you've been through. Um, for example, uh, my father was not a very nice man. He, he was a, a drug addict. My dad was an alcoholic. Uh, and my dad did things to me that um, if, if it would have happened today instead of 50 years ago, he'd have spent 30 days in the penitentiary for what he did to me. Um, when I was in junior high, my dad was just so out of control uh, that I was sure he was going to kill me in my sleep. And so I didn't know what to do, and so I, I got a knife and put a knife under my pillow so that if just maybe uh, my dad would attack me while I was sleeping, uh, I could somehow remember to pull the knife out and, and defend myself. Came home from school one, one afternoon uh, when I was in junior high. And mom said, will you help me? And I said, sure. And dad was, dad was not home. And she said, I, I need your help. We have to find a place to hide these. And she showed me uh, dad's only box of shotgun shells. And I asked her why, and I don't remember the exact words that she said, but um, we're hiding the shotgun shells so dad won't kill us all. Um, and so back in those days, the, the ceiling wasn't finished in the basement, and, and we found a place in the cold air, red, cold air return <laughs> where you could reach up in and slide a box of shotgun shells back down the pipe. And um, I've often wondered if I would today, now, however, 50-some years later, I wonder today if I would go to 1303 South 15th Street in Goshen, Indiana, if I would knock on the door and say, hey, can I take a look in your cold air return? <laughs> I, I wonder if, if they would be there. Um, I'm not proud to say this. In fact, I'm embarrassed to tell you that uh, my dad was a, a truck driver and he would drive long distances and he'd be gone four or five days at a time. And I remember praying that dad would get in a wreck and just never come home. I remember something that nobody should ever, ever remember have to remember, I remember the day that my love for my dad died. It's just, now all these years later, it's just clear to me. I just, my dad was just dead to me. So I'm, I'm just telling you that so that you know when I preach about loving each other, hard for me. Huh? Yeah. This is not just some <laughs> over-the-hill chubby preacher waving his arms around and, yeah, you know. This is my life. 
This is what I, I grew up with, the struggle. And in the church, uh, my mom always made sure us kids were in the church, and, and I think that saved my life, honestly. But in the church, I knew that we were supposed to love each other. We'd sing the songs, makes you love everybody, makes you love everybody, makes you love everybody but your dad who was mean to you. And then we had verses that the preacher would preach on. Matthew 5, 43 to 44. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. And there I am as a kid, and I'm reading that verse, and I'm saying, but I tell you, love your dad. I'm like, no. Nope. Nope, nope. Not going to do it. And then, there's, and then there's this. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest of all the commandments? And you remember in the Jewish uh, culture in the first century, there were like 631 or two of them. There's a whole bunch of them, not just 10, a whole bunch. Of all of those, which is, what is the greatest? And then Jesus answered in Matthew 22 this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Got it. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love those who have done you wrong. Love those that have stabbed you in the back. Love those that have done horrible things to you. Nope. <laughs> so I'm, I'm saying, if you're struggling with this idea of makes you love everybody, I am right there with you. And too many Christians, and we're just experts at fighting instead of experts at loving one another. <laughs> Again, I, I kind of, this week had flashbacks back to when I was a kid. And when I was really young, my brother and I fought all the time. You ever fight with your brother or sister? In fact, it was so bad that my bro they had nicknames for us. My brother's nickname was Tiger. And my nickname was Bear. Now we just claw on each other, just roll around on the ground. And in fact, now, again, all these years later, I still have a scar on my beautiful face, right here on my side of my nose, where my brother came up and clawed me when I was young. Dirty, rotten scoundrel. So I told you dad was on the road a lot, and so mom was left to just kind of to deal with us, you know, and, you know, back in the, when we were a little bit younger, she'd try to step in and separate us, and she pretty soon learned not, learned not to do that. Don't get in the line of fire. So she just stepped back, just let us beat on each other until our energy kind of dissipated, you know, until our hung, tongues were hanging out on the ground. Just <laughs> but she would learn whether we were fighting at home or sometimes we'd fight like that on the, on the front steps of the church. She would learn to just step back and watch. And she had a line that she always used. She would say, I don't know, out of desperation or 
she just, she, I don't know what, she would say, behold, how they love one another. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, sometimes that's the way it is with Christians. We're just, we've gotten to the point where we forgot that love is the main thing and we're just good at just going like that. And for a lot of years, we could kind of keep that like under the surface, but then some guy named Mark invented something called Facebook. You get out there on Facebook and got these people that, oh, I love God, and just, you know, and then it would just start to go, just, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I remember four or five years ago, I was on Facebook and uh, I got a um, friend request. No, no, I got a private message from a guy who said, I want to send you a Facebook friend request, but I want you to know something about me before I send it to you. Didn't know the guy from anybody. He said, I'm an atheist, I'm gay, and I have AIDS. But I've been watching the things you put on Facebook, and I want to be your friend, if that's okay. <laughs> so I wrote him back, and I said, I would love to be your friend. I'm honored, honored that you asked me, of all people. So he became my friend. And, of course, then he kind of would begin to see the comments I would make and, and the comments that my friends would make. And he made a comment to something that was going on, some sort of debate thing. And um, one of my Christian friends from college didn't like the comment, a comment that he made, and so got on his Facebook uh, profile page and found out he was gay, and then came back on Facebook and made some nasty, nasty comment to him. And uh, the next day, I got a, a pri another private message from my new Facebook friend who was an atheist, uh, gay, and had AIDS. And he said, I like being your friend, but I can't stand your Christian friend. He said, I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to have to unfriend you. I'm like, really? Because my, 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 my Christian friends uh, on Facebook couldn't keep it together and show a little love? I'm like, no, no. We're supposed to be experts at demonstrating love to one another. And so now we go, now we go to the textbook. And before I actually read any verses out of 1 Corinthians 13, I need to take a moment and give you some background to what's going on uh, in, in this chapter and in this, in this letter that Paul has written. The church there at Corinth was squabbling about all sorts of issues. Now, I'll just, I'll just give you the list just so that, you, that you'll know. They were a very deeply troubled church. So they were fighting about whether or not you could eat meat offered to idols. So people were laying T-bone steaks at the foot of the, of the stone idols, and it appeared that the 
stone idols weren't too hungry. And so there said all them T-bone steaks. Is it all right for me to eat that? It's been offered to an idol. And some said yes, and some said no. And so they, they fought about that. They fought about the rights and the role of a, an apostle. You know, Paul's abusing his authority. No, he's not. Yes, he is. So they, they fought about that. And of course, they fought about spiritual gifts. And if you've been around the church for any length of time or know, know the book at all, you, you know that that's, the church at Corinth was famous for that. They also fought about the right way to do worship. <laughs> what kind of music should we sing in church? You know, so they, up, yep, yep, they fought about that. They even had people that were members of the church that were, that were suing each other in, a, in the court of law. And so they had that going on. Oh, yeah, and then throw into the mix a little bit of sexual immorality and cheating and... So you get the picture, right? It's a church that had a lot going for it, but it was really, really messed up. And Paul is wanting them to know the reason they're so messed up is because there's a lack of love. It's all about a lack of love. Now, the church today, and when I say the church today, I mean church with a capital C. I don't mean this church. I mean the, the church in general uh, is kind of messed up. We have, a, we have a lot of really, really good things going on, but we really are, um, we have a lot of problems and a lot of struggles. And I think, kind of like the church in Corinth, all of the struggles that the church, big C church, all of the troubles that we have today can be traced back to a lack of love. We just can't seem to get along. I mean, I've seen some churches that are like a spiritual vegematic. They slice and they dice. And that's, that's what they're good at. Um, in fact, I've pastored a few churches like that. So, uh, yeah, I just have to stop and ask, so what about you and what about me? I'm, I'm thinking about myself this morning. Do, do you or I keep the main thing the main thing? I mean, do we treat either uh, uh, others in love even if they've done us wrong? I mean, it's easy to say I love, I love my church friends. But do we love each other even when someone is like a Matthew 5 enemy? Um, do we understand that the greatest commandment of all is to love God and love each other? I don't know if you ever thought about it, but when Jesus has asked that commandment, uh, uh, that question, what's the greatest commandment? He says, loving God and loving each other. Loving God is the vertical love. Loving each other is the horizontal love. And so you have this, <laughs> the cross. And too many people profess to love this way 
but they don't love horizontally. And when you love this way and love this way, the intersection is the cross, and sometimes it's painful. (laughs) Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it hurts to love those who have hurt us, but it's what we've been called to do. Do you really understand that when we say we are a God follower, that what we're saying is love is the main thing? I mean, that's exactly what it's all about. Is your life, I'm thinking about my life too, are our lives validating the book of love? Or casting doubt on the book of love. We always need to be reminded love, love is the main thing. And so now we look at the text. We're going to look at the first three verses here. And let me just go ahead and read 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move the mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. There is this tendency to think that we're somebody spiritually if we, first of all, verse 1, have a super-duper spiritual gift. And probably somewhere along the line we'll talk about spiritual gifts and how to use spiritual gifts and discover what gift you have, and, and, I, and I'm all for that. But there are, there are some folk that say, well, I have the gift of whatever, and then, they do, and then they do this. Like that. Like they, they think it makes them somebody, <laughs> somebody special. But Paul's saying, you can have a super-duper spiritual gift but if you don't have love, that, it's not enough. And then, and then when you look at the, at the second verse, it's, it's like we are, we are tempted to think that if somehow if we could prophesy and have a deep spiritual understanding and if we could move mountains, we, it'd be like, Wow! Or if you know of somebody in the church that can do that, or so, somebody that um, has a deep spiritual knowledge and they can lead a life group and they lead you through the, the biblical text and, and they say, well now, and when you look at verse 33, here's what it means. And you're like, I never saw that before. Wow, what insight you have. We, we'd be like, oh wow, that's, that's great. But Paul's saying, if they have deep spiritual insight, but they don't have love, eh. 
And then I, and then I, I love this, that if we knew somebody that could move mountains and, and say to mount, read out, did I say that right? That the, first, the first service corrected me. Mount Readout. Say to Mount Readout, I don't like where you're at. I want you to go from where you are to over there. And the mountain goes, okay. It just goes over there. That wasn't very becoming, was it? Sorry. Just get up and go. And we'd be like, if somebody could do that, we'd be like, did you see that? Can just move mountains. But Paul says, if you know somebody like that, or if you're like that, if you don't have love, doesn't mean a thing. Now, one of the things I noticed just this week is how these verses get progressively more amazing. An amazing, verse 1, an amazing spiritual gift. But verse 2 that we just talked about, deep spiritual insight, wow. And say to mountains, you just be moved. It would be like, wow. But now verse 3 just continues the upward climb in amazement. And we, and we look at verse 3, and verse 3 says, If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. So, I mean, this is the the pinnacle of amazement, um, I guess, for Christians in the church. We look at somebody and we say, he is a multi-millionaire. Why don't he just give his money to the poor? And so let's just imagine somehow that we know somebody like that and we find out one day that they did that. They're worth $20 million, and they just wrote a check for $20 million and just gave it to this charity, and we'd be like, whoo! Kidding me? Wow. Paul says it. Yeah, but if he doesn't live and operate in love, it doesn't mean a thing. And then this next part, this idea about I, man, it's just so amazing. I go back and look. Uh, if, and surrender my body to the flames. There's the pinnacle of spiritual admiration. Somebody who willingly becomes a martyr for spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they go into dangerous territory knowing that their life is at risk and they get killed. Because they're trying to let people know that there is a God that loves them. And those people turn on them and kill them. That's the kind of stuff you write books about, right? That's the kind of stuff you make, you make movies about. And they did, about the, uh, through Gates of Splendor. Some of you know that. And we're like, wow, what else do you say? But here's, here's what our teacher, the Apostle Paul, says. He says, you can do all of that, but if you don't love, you've gained nothing. It 
doesn't mean a thing. We need to be reminded, we, me too, that when it comes to our relationship with God, it's not about how much money we give away. It's not, many, uh, it's not how many times I've read the book through from cover to cover. It's not how many good things I've done. It's not how many life groups I lead or attend. It's not about the good things that, that I do. It's all about loving one another. Now, I'm going to slow down and regroup. I'm going to say it again because you cannot overemphasize this in the church. You know, like, like here, it, 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 the church in course, we're, it's so easy to say, well, oh, we're doing this, we have this ministry, we're involved in this, isn't this great? You know, I listen to Christian radio. Hey, have you read this book? You read that? Guess what? Without loving each other, this means nothing. I'm glad I didn't make this up. This is what Paul said. That, that, that sounds pretty hard, don't it? Sound, sounds hard to me. In fact, I'm just going to read it again. Verses 1 through 3. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am a zero. Oh, no, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. There are many times I wish it wasn't all about love because <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> but clearly, you look at the text and, and you see that the bottom line is if we have this relationship with God, <laughs> then we need to love each other even if it's painful, even if it's difficult. So here's the wake-up call. Here's lesson number one in the school of love. Don't make the mistake of thinking you can be a great Christian if you're not loving others. And if you're not loving those that have done you wrong. Now there's good news. There's really good news. This has been kind of a downer, I guess, today. But there's good news, and it's found at the end of chapter 12, and I'll show you up here on the text. Verse 31b. And now I will show you the most excellent way. So here's the Apostle Paul. He's writing to this church that has a lot of promise, that has a lot going for it, but they're struggling through all of these issues, and he's been writing to them for the first 12 chapters about all of their problems, and then he says at the end of chapter 12, I'm going to show you the most excellent way. And the word excellent there doesn't just mean a really good way, it means the best, the best way, the best way. 
And the very next verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 1, he begins to talk about love. And so we have this whole book on love, 1 Corinthians 13. And I want you to notice, he doesn't say, now I want to show you the most excellent spiritual gift. No, he doesn't say that. He says, way. The most excellent way. And by that, he's meaning to say that this whole idea of loving those around us isn't a program. It's not really something we do once in a while. It's a way. And when he says the word way, he's meaning to say lifestyle. This thing of love isn't something that we just do once in a while if we're feeling good and we had really great pizza for lunch. But it's, it's how we live. It's how we roll. It's how we operate. The way, the way of love. Some of you are, are wondering about my relationship with my dad, and some of you are thinking about maybe somebody from your past that has hurt you deeply and, and you still can't bring yourself to love them. And uh, you're wondering, how, how do you handle that? And how do, you, how do you love somebody from the other church that you used to attend that was your friend and came behind you and stabbed you in the back with a dagger? How do you love somebody like that? The answer to that question is next week. Uh, we don't have time today, but here's, here's, what, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that next week when we look at the middle part of the book of love, it might be the most significant message you've ever heard, not, not because I'm preaching it, but because the Apostle Paul is going to teach us how it's possible for you and me to love the unlovable and make love the main thing in your life. Because without love, this doesn't mean thing. Stand with me and let me pray. Father, we are humbled to be here today. And to think about your great love for us expressed through your son, Jesus, dying on the cross for us. We thank you that you loved us. But Father, we are challenged today by this idea of loving each other. And you know, I'm, I'm challenged by that this morning as well. I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would help us. As we embrace lesson number one, that it really is important that we get a hold of this idea of loving each other. And as we rely upon your Holy Spirit to make it a reality, may it be so.
We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.